Hello and welcome to Small Screen Science, the podcast where we talk about the science behind our favourite TV shows. I'm Karen. Say my name. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm Emma and that might have been a little bit of a clue there because this week we are calling the episode Walter White Science. That's all right. We're looking at the science behind Breaking Bad. So true fans would have spotted to say my name at the beginning there of Emma's little skit. So don't forget to look out for the show terms that will be pipetting into the show. <laughs> very nice. Very yes. nice. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, did you watch it? It's an oldie, isn't it? Like it, yeah. it, it finished in 2013, but it's still so good today. Yeah. And and it's it's amazing, really, because it puts science at front and centre um, but not in a really patronising way. You know, it's part of the story. It's a character in the story. And I think that's what makes a real difference, isn't it? Yeah, it, it achieved the amazing, really, didn't it? It made yeah. um, quite unsexy chemistry into a really interesting part of the plot. But yeah, like you said, without ramming it down people's throats, without it being a science documentary, you actually did learn some science as you were going along. He explained everything that he was doing. You know, you, you were taken on that journey with him. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what made it really interesting, really engaging, and and just slightly different. And and as you said, it was it's covering chemistry, which we know as science communicators is quite often you know left behind. You know the sexy physics and all of the the biology, you know the natural history and that kind of thing. Sexy it's quite physics. often sexy wow. physics. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you know all the stuff where people are interested in. It. You know a bit of astronomy yeah, yeah. and all the little tiny particles and a bit of nature and natural history. You know that's always mm. front and center, isn't it? And it's quite nice to Definitely. see something with chemistry in for a change. I think. Mm. You, actually, I mean, you taught chemistry in schools, didn't you? In your former life, before you were podcaster extraordinaire. Um, mm. How did um, how did chemistry classes go? Well, students love chemistry because it's where most of the practicals were. You know, you're fiddling around with chemicals. There's lots of smells and colour changes and bangs and, you know, all that interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, But um, we always had with chemistry lessons, students asking, you know, can we blow something up, miss? Can we make an explosion or, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then when Breaking Bad was on, students asking, you know, miss, miss, do you know how to set up a meth lab? You know, so it did did go over into science. What was your response? My response was... (laughs) I might do, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. Otherwise, we'd be doing this um, either side of a jail cell. Who knows? Yes, this is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, let's stop messing around and oh. get into the science. Did you like that one? <laughs> I like that one. That was good. <laughs> I mean, the show is about drug cartel politics and also mm. about synthesizing or, or as the show would say, cooking about cooking meth yeah um, also known as methamphetamine or ice or glass and and this is something that can come as a powder or as tablets or crystals and it's a really powerful stimulant of your central nervous system yeah and of course it's very highly addictive and you get a huge come down with it and it's widely associated with lots and lots of crime as habitual users often go to extremes and desperate lengths in order mm. to get money in order to buy the meth and to get the latest fix um, in the UK, it's a class B drug, and this means it's illegal to have it, to give it away or to sell it. So the big question is, how does it work? So meth causes your brain to really quickly release very high levels of dopamine. And oh. this is, you know, the happiness hormone. We yeah. all know dopamine, don't we? I think we yeah. even covered dopamine back in our um, in our chocolate chats in the Bake Off episode in, in yeah, series and, one. And Love Island as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we, mm. you know, we love dopamine. It's mm. a reward hormone. And because it's a reward hormone, it's also really associated with repeated behavior. So this is when the brain will encourage you to keep doing a certain action to keep seeking this hormone. And that's exactly where this addiction will stem from. 
Yeah, and you quite often see that on programmes where they show meth addicts, don't you? You see them doing these repeated actions over and over again. Um, and because this drug changes the brain's dopamine system, often meth users develop cognitive problems or also emotional issues as well. Mm. I mean, there's quite a lot of problems with meth, um, mm. let's be honest. So meth users are also more likely to contract infectious diseases, things like HIV and hepatitis B and C, um, especially because a lot of those are diseases that are transmitted through the blood or the bodily fluids. And you get a lot of um, like needle sharing um, that can go on in those communities. So, But interestingly, uh, meth has been shown to actually worsen the progression of HIV AIDS. Oh. So some studies have shown that HIV will cause more injury to the nerve cells and, and will cause more issues with cognition in meth users than it does in HIV sufferers who don't use meth. Oh, wow. And there's um, there's another really ugly health issue associated with meth use as well, isn't there? Yeah, and this is meth mouth, and and this is really severe tooth decay. You can lose your teeth. Um, you have issues with fractures and other oral problems, and it's thought to be actually a side effect of the habits brought about by using the drug. So clenching and grinding mm. your teeth, and a lifestyle where you neglect your oral hygiene overall, and that's going to cause your teeth to become weak anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nasty. And, and it's mm. often what you see in posters and um, kind of anti-drug campaigns that you really, really quite horrible mouths. And you, basically, meth is really nasty stuff. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Um, so there's the bit on the biology. Uh, but let's get on to the chemistry, because that's basically what the program's all about, isn't it? So yeah, go on mm. then. Yeah. So our first guest, and, and actually our only guest, um, <laughs> we've only got the one this episode, because she's so good. Yeah, literally couldn't be better for this yeah. topic. Um Quick confession, the audio isn't as clean as some of our interviews, but we have to we have to use her. She's so wonderful. Yeah. It was a real, real pleasure to speak to Professor Donna Nelson. Now, if she was to channel Mr. White, her intro <laughs> might sound a little bit like, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. <laughs> well, let's let Donna introduce herself and then you'll see why we got her in on this episode. Well, I'm from Oklahoma inside the United States. Oklahoma's right in the middle of the United States, just above Texas. And so um, I grew up in Oklahoma and went to the University of Oklahoma. And then I went to UT Austin for my PhD, went to Purdue for a postdoc, and then I came back to Oklahoma to be a professor. And so I guess that's my background. My background, I'm an organic chemist. Um, and so I think that made me a perfect choice to uh, assist Walter White, <laughs> was organic chemistry high school teacher, you know. She's only the actual scientific advisor for the show, Breaking Bad. Oh, my goodness. So you see what I mean? There literally wasn't a better person for us to speak to on this episode. And mm. oh, wow. <laughs> for, for, I mean, for full context, guys, we spoke to her for over an hour, but we're not going to play that all today. But, oh, my gosh, she is so lovely and so full of stories. And we couldn't be more thank thankful that she was happy to give us an hour of her time. Yes. And we've actually been cooking this episode up for a while now. Oh, well um, done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's let's uh, let her talk about the show and the science behind it and what her role was. So how do you end up as a scientific advisor for Breaking Bad? How does that happen? How do you get that phone call? Yeah, I get that. I get asked that all the time. Even more specifically, I get asked, how did someone from Oklahoma, you know, which is in the middle of the United States, become active with people out in California, which is on the western coast? Um, and, and it is uh, very interesting. So 
um, you know, I'm a member of the American Chemical Society, the world's largest scientific organization. Mm. And so, of course, I get their magazine, their weekly magazine. And in that magazine, I was thumbing through it one day and I saw some unusual pictures, one of which was this strange looking chemist who was wearing nothing except his lab apron and some, uh, yeah, some, some shoes and socks. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, this looks really strange. You thought, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I started reading that particular article. And that was the one where Vince Gilligan was interviewed by Chemical and Engineering News. Um, it was at the end of his season one. And so um, the thing that really caught my, I mean, when I saw that photo, I literally did sit down and read every single word in the article. <laughs> and the thing that caught my eye, I think I'm, I've just about got this verbatim. He said, we don't have money for a science advisor, but we understand it is so important to get the science right. And here's the, the sentence that, was, that I found so important. He said, we would appreciate constructive comments from a chemically inclined audience. And when I read that first, I thought, wow, what kind of comments has he been getting, <laughs> if not constructive, you know, so that was a little bit of a heads up, and so, um, so I, I, you know, I, it started me to thinking, because chemists, and a lot of uh, people very concerned about the, the, the representation of science inside the United States, and its fate, um, had been talking about what can we do to influence how you know Hollywood and other filmmakers are representing science and scientists uh, in in movies and on television, and so um, you know several of us had like tried to quote offer our services, and the the producers and directors would simply say, "Oh, thank you so much. We'll let you know if we need you." <laughs> <laughs> the classic, the classic and, line. <laughs> and so, you know, we we had tried and gotten really pretty much nowhere. And here was this fabulous, what I saw as an invitation. And then, but initially I thought, oh, but this is a show about meth. Oh my God. You know, I couldn't be involved with that sort of a show. And so um, basically I had such a struggle with my feelings you know, because I was starting to feel guilty. This is an opportunity. We'd been waiting for like 20 years and it was the first time it had come along. And I thought, so, you know, another opportunity like this won't come along. So I decided I'm going to gather, gather more information. I went and, and uh, got copies of all of the episodes that existed at that time. And there were just five you know, the, the, there was a, I think it was a writer's strike. And so they, they uh, had a very short season, that first season of, Bre of Breaking Bad. And so I watched all five and I could see that um, Walt and Jesse both got punished any time they did anything wrong. And so I thought, oh, this show has morals. Okay, well, I can live with that. And so um, I decided well, I'll ask the reporter who had done the interview for Chemical and Engineering News to contact Breaking Bad and see if they were serious about wanting somebody to help them. And so they got back with me in about a week. So they were serious about it. And that's how it, that's how it happened. That's brilliant. 
So um, you so you mentioned um, you've mentioned before that that series one had a few sort of chemical flaws in it. What would you say those were? Yeah, there were there were quite a few. You know, MythBusters did an entire episode on those flaws with Vince Gilligan right there on the show. Yeah. You know, the scene where uh, I think the most famous one was the bathtub falling through the ceiling and making a big mess. You know, there, <laughs> I there was going to ask you about that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were several like that. And, and that happened before I came along. So, um, yeah, season one had quite a few that and, and when people ask me about that, I just say that predated me. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> I me. Washed my hands I didn't, of it. Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with it. But um, Mythbusters pretty much uh, roasted uh, Vince over that. You know, and he, he's just a you know, charming person, and he would just smile at them and say, yep, we got that one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, uh, you know, he, he, you know he, he's so um successful now that he can afford to be uh, magnanimous i guess so the rest of the show was fabulous and uh <laughs> you know, they they had dea agents that helped them also yeah. um i don't think it was any one in particular it might have been several in particular but um you can see that in the credits and i have to point out that uh i do not have a meth lab in my garage <laughs> Well, there goes so, my next question. <laughs> and so I don't know how to make illegal meth. I do not. But the DE agents did. And so they helped Breaking Bad get that accurate. So those labs that they showed really do look like um, illegal meth labs looked. Oh, I was going to ask about that. I was wondering whether, because they do look littered with like typical science paraphernalia, whether it was actually accurate to what you might see or whether it was almost science for science sake to create the illusion and lead the story along in the right direction. But they were they were modelled on real illegal cooking wow. apps. Wow. Cool. DEA helped them with that. Yeah. I would not be able to. I don't have that knowledge, but DEA does. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You missed the wink there, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually zooming us from her private caravan as parked out in the desert. <laughs> I mean, wow, what a story. What an amazing yeah. life. She's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we it was such a privilege to talk to her as well, wasn't it? And she was so helpful. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a scenario now from the show. You ready? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so so what you're gonna do if you leave your key in the ignition. And your battery is dead. Um, ring my boyfriend <laughs> or the AA. <laughs> but but the cell phones died. And you did have a generator there that you could, you know, recharge your battery up with. But unfortunately, that's just burst into flames. Oh, naturally. Okay. Yes. So it's a little bit unlucky, isn't it? So this, this happened to them um, in the first series. And uh, Walt found a solution, didn't he? He did. Out in the desert, all he had was yeah. science at his fingertips. Yeah. So what he did was he he made a basic battery. He used some brake pads, some objects that had been galvanized with zinc and a few bits and pieces of wire and an electrolyte. And he popped it all together and made a battery. He did. But um, let's talk about the basics of a battery. Mm. I mean, Walt explains this in the show to Jesse. Really nice example there of science communication quite easily in the script. Yeah. But um, I'm going to put that on you now. Talk okay. me through the basics of batteries. You know, how do they work? 
Well, well, a battery is actually a series of individual cells that are joined together. So if I explain what a cell is, and then you imagine you've got a series of those joined together. So in order to make a cell, you need two different metals, and that's normally copper and zinc. And these act as what are called electrodes. And these electrodes are placed into a liquid that will conduct um, electricity, basically. It allows ions to move through the solution. And as mm. long as the ions can move through the solution, that will generate a current and generate a voltage. Um, and um, you can actually make one using a lemon. So if you imagine you've got a lemon, you stick a penny into a lemon and then you stick mm. a piece of zinc into a lemon, turn that into a circuit and you can light a light bulb, just a very small, you know, light bulb. And you can do it with uh, with potatoes as well. And apparently cooked potatoes are better. They work better than raw potatoes really? for some strange reason. Yes. <laughs> okay. um, and basically a battery would just be a whole load of those those joined together. And that's what he did. He generated a whole series of um, cells to form a battery. And obviously it worked in the show, but in yeah. real life, would would that have worked, the, the system that he set up? Well, apparently it would have worked, but but not generated enough voltage to be able to jump start the ignition so they would they would oh, right, okay. so it either run out of current or there wouldn't be enough voltage um so they so, probably would have been better off trying to charge their phone yes absolutely rather than trying to jump start you know jump start the vehicle try and charge the phone yeah i mean donna definitely would have charged her phone no question yeah absolutely I mean, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean she was so good for the show because she also had this really great understanding of actually how TV works. Um, she said it herself. She wasn't one of the ride or die scientists in the sense that mm. um, trying to make sure that scientific truth was always what came first in the script. Yeah. She was allowing them some room to, you know, um, have a little bit of license and, and to make sure that the script wasn't going to get in the way of the storytelling. Yeah, and and very much about... Yeah, that creativity alongside the science, that was important. Mm. But the basic fundamentals were right. So it's the same with that battery. You know, the fundamentals of the battery and how it works were correct. It just may not have mm. been, you know, powerful enough. There was the odd exaggeration here and there. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite things she had to say was about one of the few times they didn't listen to her, but with a very good reason. One of the main points of the show was that the meth that was produced by Jesse and Mr. White was that it was blue. And that was one of its distinctive characteristics. And that meant that it was more pure and it was a better product. Is that a real thing? Or was no. that just a notion <laughs> created by the show? Yeah. To, to help with the storytelling. No. So that's no. rubbish. Oh. Uh, re- it is. It's rubbish. I remember um, being on the set and Vince came and he, he said, what do you think about making the meth blue? And I said, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh, really? Said, yeah. And he said, why not? And I said, because pure meth is white. And he said, well, what if it's really pure? And I said, then it'll be really white. And he said, well, it's really, really pure. And I said, then it'll be really, really, really white. <laughs> he said, there's no reason why uh, really pure meth would be blue. I said, no. But you know what? This was uh, one of the very few times, maybe even the only time, that they did not take my advice. And I understood why. I never ribbed him about it or anything uh, because they needed a plot device, mm. you know. And, and, and it was a trademark for Walt. And there you go. You know, they were wanting to make their show a hit mm-hmm. and not have a science documentary. <laughs> Now, one of the really classic scenes from the series is where Walt is with the bad guys, essentially, with a you know a bag of his 
is blue meth. And he's threatened and there's this amazing dialogue and one of the things, it, the, the way it kind of crescendos is he says, "This you were, you were wrong about one yeah. thing, this is not meth. And then he like spins to the camera and he chucks this thing in the air mm. and um, it causes a, a huge explosion when it hits the ground. It's very dramatic. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it made wonderful telly. Yeah. <laughs> and you can watch this on YouTube as, again if you want to go back. Mm. Um but, you know, let's let's talk about the science. Could this have actually happened? Well, the chemical he was making was called mercury fulminate. Um, and this mm. is actually very, very unstable. Um, it's so unstable, in fact, it can only be made safely in very small crystals. Now, the crystal he picks mm. up off the desk is actually quite large, isn't it? The one he throws. It's pretty chunky. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's, like, it's like a good inch yeah, of a crystal. Definitely yeah. quite a large one. Um, and and these crystals are used as triggers in blasting caps to set off larger explosions. So they they are unstable and they do generate explosions. So yeah, the mm. basic theory is there. Yeah, but I mean, old Heisenberg he has mm. a, there's a whole bag of them in this scene, and he's wandering around with it. He's holding it above his head. He's threatening people with it. Yeah. That wouldn't be possible, would it? No, no. They they would have been really unstable. I mean, in that initial explosion when he threw that crystal, the the shock waves from that explosion would have caused the bag to explode itself mm. and of the course of if them. that bag explodes then then that's it they've all gone basically so you know it would have been a huge explosion and they'd all be dead yeah absolutely yeah. you know there's a show called Mythbusters, and it, in mm -hmm. one of their episodes they took a look at the science behind um a lot of the sh this scene um yeah. and decided that actually in order to cause the explosion that you saw on the screen they would have definitely needed more crystal rather than mm. this little chunk um it would have had to have been thrown at a much faster velocity and yep. um to conclude as you said everyone would have died yeah so uh, basic science is right again just slightly exaggerated for for creative purposes mm, steer away from mercury fulminate yes <laughs> yeah so i guess it's time we got back to donna isn't it because she was exceptional during our interview she is the star of this show, mm. absolutely. Um, and, you know, our next question was quite a simple question. Mm. But I think by this point, we were so comfortable chatting to her. You know, we had a cup of tea. It really felt like we were old chums by this point. Um, we would, we'd just gone off script, hadn't we? We'd gone off our notes. Yeah. Any questions yep. that popped into our heads, we went for it. So um, mm. so this was, this was what we got. So what would you say is your favourite bit of science that was in Breaking Bad? Oh, well... Um, I had one scene that became my favorite, not because of the science so much, but um, when I first started uh, having interactions with them and being on the set and stuff like this, remember my goal was to try to change the way that the public thought about science and mm -hmm. scientists. I mean, that was the goal. So they had their goal. I had my goal, but I, you know, put their goal ahead of mine. And I, I kept thinking, you know, I might be able to just get one message through in my interactions with them. And so what will that message be? And that message, I, it was an easy choice for me. It was that the uh, public needs to appreciate science and scientists more. And so, you know, uh, like every time I would talk to Vince, I would get off on this, you know, <laughs> scientists and science are responsible for everything fabulous in our lives. You know, our cars, our computers, the clothing we wear, you know, the carpeting, the paint on the walls, all, on and on. And so I was constantly getting that. And I, I said, the general public just does not realize that without science and scientists, they would not have all these wonderful things that they enjoy. Every 
All these luxuries are brought to them courtesy of science and scientists. And I would keep saying that, you know, very enthusiastically. And so finally, there was a scene, the name of it was Box Cutter. I don't know if you'll remember that or not. And uh, it might have been in season four. I just can't remember that well. But um, it's the one where, um, you know, um, Walt is having to, uh, it, it happens in the super lab. And Walt and Jesse are down in the super lab. And I think it's uh, Gus is coming down and he has, he's putting on his hazmat suit and everything. And he has the box cutter with him. Um, you know, he's going to take somebody out. And so Walt knows that he's having to argue for his life. And in that argument, he convinces Gus that he's the scientist that has uh, more credentials and that is better able to synthesize his product for him. And so in there, there are some lines in there that uh, where Walt is saying, without us, you'll have no one to make your product. And I thought, God, he, he finally he finally got it. He even, he even had the emphasis on the same word that I would, put the word, emphasize the same words that I would emphasize when I was talking to him. And they sent me those script pages in advance, you know, to go over. And I didn't have to change much. They, they are fabulous writers. And, you know, when you're reading a script page, I read it and I thought, oh, yeah, this is really great. But I didn't know how he was going to have Walt emphasize those words and when that happened when I heard the emphasis on those words I it just it made me elated I was so happy to hear that that's my favorite scene to answer your question so we absolutely loved hearing that I mean we're science communicators aren't we So it was yes. just brilliant to hear that. Um, and we love bringing our love of science to the public and making science accessible and interesting and hearing how keen she was to do that, you know, and, and how she's managed to do that in such a groundbreaking show is just so exciting. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. She was wonderful. Mm. And, you know, seeing her try and workshop the image of scientists is brilliant. And she, to be fair, she also said as well, after it aired um, and after her name started appearing in credits, she started getting messages from high schoolers um, yeah. basically saying, you know, I want to start a science blog. I'm really interested in chemistry. Can we have a chat? And she just thought that was the neatest thing to have come out of that, to have been able to, yes, make science cool and, and be inspire young people to maybe even pursue a career in chemistry. Yeah, Which very exciting. Very exciting. I mean, yeah. it's the it's the ultimate wish of us science communicators, isn't it? <laughs> to inspire <laughs> someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now one of the other iconic scenes um, within the show was the use of ricin as a poison. Mm, yeah. And as Walt explains in the show, uh, ricin is extracted from castor oil beans and only a small amount is actually needed to kill you. Um, mm. So actually a dose of purified ricin powder, just the size of a few grains of table salt will kill an yeah. adult human, which is not very much at all. Not a lot at all. No. And and of course, he um, he sprinkles this into his into a tea, doesn't he? Uh, but but basically it does depend on how it goes into the body. So if you inhale it or if someone injects it into your bloodstream, then you only need a very, very small amount. Mm. If you're going to um, ingest it orally, then you need probably a thousand times the amount that you would need if you inhaled it. So there's a big difference depending on how it gets into the body. 
So ricin affects the ribosomes. So um, ribosomes are in your cell. They're what's responsible for protein synthesis. So mm. basically when ricin gets into your body, it affects your ability to produce proteins and that can really, really mess you up. Yeah, I mean, because proteins are essential for everything, aren't they? You know, all the mm. different things that go on in the body, enzymes, hormones, all of those are proteins. Mm. And and rice in itself is a protein. And this is where the science behind it is, is absolutely crucial. Because as I said before, Walt puts the rice in in the tea. And, mm. you know, the tea is going to be at a very high temperature. And that would actually denature the protein. So it would denature the rice in. And therefore, she probably wouldn't have ingested enough to kill her. Yeah, science. <laughs> so there you go. That yeah. was my favourite Jesse quote of the entire yeah. series, five science. seasons. Yeah, science. <laughs> I'm glad I got that in. Sorry. <laughs> I've been waiting for that. <laughs> nice. So um, I guess we ought to take it back to Donna, hadn't we? And you did ask a silly question. It's your favourite thing to do when we have an interviewee, isn't it? Ask a silly question. Look, we are very privileged that we get to speak to some really, really cool people and I'd be mm. doing myself and the listeners a disservice <laughs> if I didn't ask them a few little sillies. So, uh, but actually this one does have a proper sciencey answer. So uh, we'll allow this one. Well, I'm editing it, so I'm going to put it in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said that you weren't obviously involved in the first season and, and the bathtub scene, but since we've got you, I just thought I had to ask... I mean, could one dissolve a body in the bathtub with hydrofluoric acid? Is that something that could feasibly happen? Or was that a little stretch of the imagination that was uh, in the series before your time? Well, it would certainly, hydrochloric acid would certainly go a long way toward destroying it. I mean, I, I think you'd need a, a stronger acid. Sulfuric acid, you know, does an incredible job. Um but, but um, you know, as far as like having it fall through the ceiling, I think that's <laughs> pushing it a bit far. Um, that was a little bit of the artistic license there. Yeah, yeah. And you'd need a lot of hydrochloric or, or even sulfuric acid. Mm. But sulfuric acid really is very strong. And then chromic acid, which we use as a cleaning solution, is really, you know, even stronger than... Uh, than than sulfuric acid so you know they could have changed it a little but i mean you know where would you get those things i mean oh yeah i suppose it had to be accessible to walter in his character line didn't it yeah so chromic acid you know you you have to synthesize it's not too difficult but you do have to so so anyway uh you know it's still interesting and and i think the main goal of the show was to capture people's interest Mm. which i i absolutely am totally convinced it did i mean what a scene i watched it again in preparation it still blows my mind it's so gross so disgusting so well done but um actually this hydrofluoric acid narrative comes up several times it it starts in season one and it recurs uh, in season four and season five so the problem was in this scene um you know if we just fudge the chemistry a little bit um hydrofluoric acid doesn't dissolve plastic which is why Walt said you need to put the body in a plastic container um because it will stay contained and he didn't he put it in the bath it dissolved the bath and fell through the roof and chaos and blood ensues so but Jesse learned this the hard way and what was a really nice arc was that actually again in season four they use the same technique mm-hmm. same hydrofluoric acid to get rid of another body yeah uh, back when they're in the super lab so 
it's it's really quite nice to see in a way <laughs> Jesse's learned and he goes and he gets the plastic container and there's just this wonderful bit where um somebody asks them you know will this work and he mm. just goes trust me and you're like Ooh. <laughs> oh trust, I know trust me I'm a scientist <laughs> trust me I've got rid of several bodies like this but but I just really like the fact that by Jesse learning the mm. audience learnt yeah and you know maybe that actually might be the one thing that people remember yeah. Um, about hydrofluoric acid that's a little bit of chemistry knowledge that they've got in the back of their brain ready for that pub quiz one day <laughs> all because of that show which i love which is perfect um, mm. um one of the reasons it's done so well and received so much acclaim is because the science really is there underpinning that really brilliant storyline it's excellent mm. it's good fun yeah it's it's you know it's it's notably a very accurate show mm. so let's explore some more explosive science because there are quite a few uh, big chemical fireworks going on yeah. Uh, in the duration of the show. So I want to know, Karen, mm -hmm. could you do as Mr. White did at the end of season one? You know, could you use an Etch-a-Sketch toy to make an explosion? I mean, is that a thing? Well, he actually used those chemicals inside the Etch-a-Sketch to do a thermit reaction, didn't he? Which is one of the classic mm. explosions that we are actually allowed to do in the classroom. So most people have seen a tiny, tiny version of a thermit reaction. <laughs> um, so um, in the show, he used that to act as lockpick, didn't he? To try and get into a warehouse, yeah. I think it was, to get some chemicals. Um, and the reaction itself is very exothermic, so meaning it gives out a lot of heat. Um, and it's what mm. we call a redox reaction. So it's got reduction and oxidation in it. Now, oxidation is the loss of electrons and reduction is the gain of electrons. So when we teach that to students at school, we call it oil rig. Oxidation is loss. Reduction is gain. Gosh, I'd completely forgotten yeah. that. <laughs> um, and as I said, this, this experiment is carried out in schools in very at a very small scale and it's used to produce molten iron and it's used when welding together railway tracks. Um, now, they can use, um, you can extract these chemicals from Etch-a-Sketches, yeah. So, so it would, in theory, work. Oh, okay. All right. Um, and, and in the show, I mean, he has 10 Etch-a-Sketches mm -hmm. or whatever the off-brand name was that oh, the yes. department provided. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't use the actual <laughs> name, could they? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, 10. Are we talking 10? Would 10 work? You go down Toys R Us? <laughs> well, apparently they needed around 200 to make the amount that was shown in the programme to actually extract that amount from them. Okay. Well, I think you would look pretty suspicious coming out of Toys R Us with 200 Etch-a-Sketch. So. I think so, yeah. I think, uh, I think you'd okay, want Okay, we'll, we'll allow them some artistic <laughs> license there as well. Definitely. I mean, now we've not actually been lucky enough to visit any of the sets of any of the shows, actually. No. Maybe one day, Karen. <laughs> maybe one day. We'll be invited on. Um, one day. But of course, Donna didn't do all of her contributions just from her office, did she? She actually did get to go and be a part of the show because no. she was such an no. integral part of everything going on because they really did want the science to be right. She was invited to go and hang out yeah. with the cast and uh, and uh, meet with Vince Gilligan several times. Um, she had some good yeah. stories. And, you know, we were just pretty curious about how the whole thing works, you know. Mm, so yeah. here's, here's Donna's take. Did you get to go on set very much or was it? I did, yeah. Oh, it was terrific. It was a different world. You know, I mean, I'm a scientist and, you know, I've spent my whole life in the world of scientists and they are artists. They really are. I mean, that is what they are. They are artists. And so um, it never happened on uh, Breaking Bad, at least not that I saw. But I knew that other shows it happened uh, where, you know, uh, one of the stars might get peeved over something and just walk off the set. And so I knew that that was possible. And I thought, 
I sure don't want to ever be responsible <laughs> for something like that happen because it's very expensive. So, you know, you, you, um, you want to get along. So the yeah. way, what, what I did completely was I aligned my goals with theirs. And so I just kept in mind that we weren't filming a science documentary. The goal <laughs> was to get picked up next season. That you sound very knowledgeable about the TV making process now, which I imagine is incredibly useful to writers to have someone that understands their world. Uh, and it, like you said, isn't just coming in with a, no, this is wrong. It needs to be this. It's a, okay, let's yeah. try and find a solution that works factually well, I, and on screen. I learned fast. I mm. learned fast. Um, so, you know, you have to pay attention to what is said to you, really. And so somebody, I can't even remember who it might have been, one of the crew even, came up and said, you know, in in Hollywood, they say that it's impossible to have a hit show on a science advisor. <laughs> and I said, well, why? And he said, because the science advisor will tell you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And so it just destroys the show. And I thought, oh, man, I need to take a lesson from this. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you get heavy handed and start telling them you can't do that, you know, they'll just say, Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. And we'll let you know if we need to talk to you again. (laughs) And so I knew exactly what was going on. So that was absolutely amazing. And she was, as we said at the start, such an amazing person to interview. Really interesting, really engaging. And the perfect science communicator, basically, isn't she? She was. And actually, Mm. she's done so much more with her career than just, you know, just chemistry. She's also Mm. had a lot of her time dedicated to trying to address diversity issues in science. Yeah. And um, yeah. if you're lucky enough to be one of our patrons, we are going to pop some of her stuff um, on our patron because she was part of some really pioneering um, research, having a look at yeah. how many women were yeah. at what levels of science in academia and um, has, has done amazing things for trying to champion diversity and, and women in, in science. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm in awe of her, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and then that work included ethnic minorities as well, didn't it? So she's she's really, you know, really championing diversity in science, as you say. Absolutely amazing. And she came on our small little podcast. Yeah. What a treat. So Emma, how many of our Breaking Bad little snippets and chemistry puns did we manage to get into the show? We got a, we got a couple of good ones there, actually. Mm. Um, we started yeah. with Say My Name, which is from Walter's very strong end season finale when he's established himself um we mm-hmm. did call him heisenberg mm-hmm. we we had to stop mething around that made yes. me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> we got you clearly don't know who you're talking to so let me clue you in that's another big one from the show i tried mm-hmm. to say mr white as jesse mm-hmm. i don't think i delivered it very well but again as <laughs> jesse i went for my favorite yeah, yes, science <laughs> so that was a couple there was a couple of good ones in there mm. Well, listen, anyway, I think that's probably about about all we've got time for today. And if you're interested in uh, helping us with the show, then do pop on over to Patreon. Just a small amount a month will help us to produce these shows, which would be great. Yeah, big thanks to, as we said, Colin, actually, our patron helps us choose this show. So we do let you get involved. Very exciting. And if you want even more kind of bonus content and extra little bits and maybe even to see what we look like, you can head on over (laughs) to our social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And we're always sharing lots Mm. of extra little bits from behind the scenes of the show. Yeah, very exciting. And if you'd like to email us, we're smallscreensci at gmail.com. We are. 
And with that, we will uh, see you next week, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to hearing from you. And obviously, if you enjoyed this episode, if you're new to us, do listen back to the rest of this second series and back to our first series as well, all available on your favourite platforms. And please subscribe and give us a five-star review. It would be amazing. Oh, you're getting good at this, Karen. (laughs) You're getting good. Yes. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.